We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. It's happened, the embargo has lifted, and everything on the internet has gone supra. Finally, we can talk about it. Yes. I mean, we could have before, but finally yes, but we, we can talk about everything. We can really talk about all nice. the aspects of it, yeah. and everybody else is talking about it. You may be, honestly, you're listening right now, and you may already be tired of supra. Wall if so, of supra in if your so, recommended hang on. feed. This is like when we were growing up as kids, and you'd, you'd watch something on a random Friday night, and there was only three TV networks, and they would say, tonight, on an extra special episode. This is the extra, the, the supra special episode. <laughs> extra duper special. This is supra special. Oh. Oh gosh! It is See, the super special. He, he already it, got started it, yeah. before we started recording, was, and and the puns are coming. I'm you know what started warning me? You, I'm was, warning you all. Was we got into? Of course, when we got to Virginia for mm-hmm. the press launch of the Supra. Of course, they had Camrys because it was going to be Toyota product. They may have other things. But they had well, Camrys they had the SUVs. They were to, carting the Toyota yeah. folks around. So they had, of course, Toyota product to pick you up at the airport. Uh, this is where journalists get spoiled. It's ridiculous. But we got in, and of course, there's always bottles of water for you. But these were all branded. You may have seen it in our piece. They were rebranded with the Supra logo on them. We've already joked about the fact that there was Supra everywhere. I mean, and, we, and we honestly, told you about the bathrooms and the key cards and, and the door hang tags. And you know what? Not yes. everything's Supra. Not everything that we're doing here is Supra and the best and stop. I was waiting for the ice sculptures, but they didn't Ah, have any. I was severely disappointed. So on this podcast, uh, I know you're surprised. Shock. We're going to talk about the Supra uh, backwards, forwards, all of the directions that people have asked questions Mm -hmm. about. We're going to have some rants. I feel that coming. (laughs) There is a car debate after the break that is tangentially related, but not actually about the Supra. Yeah, kind of cool, though. And then after that, we have uh, many, many questions, some of which will be about the Supra and some of which will not. Uh, I know, I know this is a lot of overload on Supra, but this is a big icon dropping in the middle of the sports car world. Yeah, for and sure. So it, Everybody was waiting for this just for a long time. talking about the Supra. It affects all these other mm-hmm. cars around it. Is it better than? How does it relate to all of these kind of things? Plus, it's between 50 and 55 grand, which in the grand scheme is the affordable end of focus sports cars. It's not. The okay. 86s and the Miatas yeah. and those kind of things yeah. at 30. But it is, I feel like, the kind of the sweet spot for aspirational sports cars. That 50 to 60, I feel like, is the sweet spot for that. And it's right in the middle of it. Yeah. The launch edition is 57,000, but that yep. has a red mirror cap. So that's what makes it the launch that's, edition. And, and that's, that's why it's Supra. That's why it makes it worth it for it's the extra, extra special Supra. thousand yeah. dollars of mirror caps. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. So before we get started, Podcast 400 is the next podcast for all yes. the local folks yes. who are able to come. That is Brewies. We're going to start at 7, but if you filter in by 6.30 and you can order food and we'll be in one of the theaters there. I think it's Theater 1, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And, we'll only uh, be in one of them. We'll be easy well, to find. Well, yes. Yeah. It, yeah. Fairly easy to find. So, yeah. Come on in. We are podcasting, live streaming, and that is podcast number 400. So, it's it's going to be questions entirely on YouTube. So, I'll post up for questions. But we'll, since we're live streaming, point all your questions towards YouTube and ask yeah. us there. You'll have to we'll, be on We'll take questions the from questions. the audience as well. Yep, yep. yep. But uh, we, we might find somebody with uh, a car debate that we can do live in the audience. Maybe somebody's shopping. Maybe somebody's, mm-hmm. you know, thinking a, a few months out. And we can yeah. talk yeah, touch yeah. on that. And then we'll take questions and it's it's going to be a little bit all over the map but it's fun because yeah. it's it's on a, a hundred podcasts so we're yeah, freeing we ourselves up madness. to be able to talk about kind of anything it'll totally, be cars totally. it'll, it'll meander i'm sure but you can see us live is the point yeah and it will be i i have no doubt in my mind it's going to be just this side of madness we were at the venue today <laughs> kind of doing a run through and we're very excited about it. it's gonna be really fun i have no idea how it's gonna go 
It's going to be fun. It's but going to be no fun either way. Yeah, hey, sure. it'll be good. All right, so jumping into the Supra. Uh-oh. As we start, yeah. I'd mm. like to touch on three things. Four things, actually. Wow. Oh, wow, you made a list. Good for you. First of all, my fondness for Toyota has grown. Okay. Mm, I'm publicly saying this. I, the brand that brought you the Prius and the Camry is starting, I, and the Corolla is starting to, to turn the corner hey, for Paul. I'm admitting to you, and it's because of the people that we met. Honestly, okay. being all there right. and seeing the people and talking to folks yeah, and yeah, yeah. hearing their passion – Honestly, there's products I don't like, but okay, you know, yeah, I, I love yeah, yeah. where Toyota's going, and I love that they have brought this car out. Okay. Okay. All right. Collaborations, as mm-hmm. we've identified, hopefully you've seen the YouTube video, hopefully yeah. you've seen it. If you've not, please do. We're going to be referencing that a little bit here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Collaborations, as they move forward, as they exist now mm-hmm. and are going to be happening more in the future, I think we're all for them. I think I can speak for you in saying we've established the fact that if this is what gets us more sports cars and fun cars and cool cars in our lives and on the market, we're all for it. It just means enthusiast happiness from here on out. If if this is the thing that spreads out the risk so that car companies make niche vehicles that are the kinds of things we like, then let's get it done that way. Absolutely. I mean, for sure, for sure. Companies have been, I suppose, risky in the past, but they've operated very independently. But which brings me to my third point. Okay. BMW as a company has never collaborated mm. until mm-hmm. now. Yeah, true. Good point. Chance actually pointed out recently on uh, on social media that they have provided engines before, they i.e., have. the McLaren F1. Yes, they provided yes, yes. engines, but as a true collaboration true, platform, true. Yeah. parts more than just engines. That's never happened for them before. That is yeah. huge. I guess the closest they probably got was what? The the M1, which was being briefly built for them by Lamborghini, and then they had to like break into the factory to get it back out. <laughs> so that's a that's a whole disastrous yeah. tale. Yeah. But and maybe that's the reason they never tried it again. But but that was even that was not as clear cut a collaboration as this. I mean, this mm-hmm. was a start at the drawing board. Let's figure this out together. Let's get our hard points, uh, term that you use that, that makes total sense. Let's get our hard points, our wheelbase, which yeah. happens to be exactly the wheelbase of the Porsche Cayman, <laughs> and then we'll work from there. The fourth point is, ah, YouTube comments. Ah. Oh, yeah. If you ever sure. feel like you need a beating, just post a video on YouTube. Yeah. The, it, it's great. Although, the comments have been very friendly and very mm-hmm. excellent, mm-hmm. I, which I like. And this is the entire community that Todd and I have curated as far as respectful, knowledgeable, and not just trolling for the sake of it. And we still get those, but I love that the comments, and then it kind of translates to Discord as well, where it's been very respectful and very excellent as far as the community, because... We we're, we all have something to bring to the table as hopefully, far as knowledge, hopefully. well, that's the which thing. is great. There's there's always the questionable troll like comments, hazmat suit stuff on YouTube. But I feel like honestly, I feel like we are blessed to get less of that than a lot of channels. Yeah, for and sure. so I am appreciative of the comments. This piece has been very successful for us, uh, which is great. I mean, it's really cool to see something do well for us on YouTube. But it also has to do with that whole. I mean, we're we're playing in a world we don't normally play in. We don't normally go to these press launches or worry about the embargo. This mm-hmm. is a total like let's just do this. This car's worth. It. Absolutely. So we've had so many yeah. questions. There's so many like, like fighting words kind of discussions going on, <laughs> no and, and all kinds of stuff. I I have a bunch of questions that just relate directly to kind of general talking points in the super, and then there's questions later that are like compare and contrast this car and that car, okay. which I want to do later, which is crazy. Okay. Well, let's jump into platform and a okay. little bit of the story that Tatsuya Tata Tata San, as uh-huh. he's known, yeah. he's the chief engineer. 
He was also the chief engineer for the 86 platform. Yes. Okay? Yes. Which, no which they love. also had at this press launch in yeah, the TRD which cool. form, which is essentially yeah. the uh, performance pack that you get for like the TS version. I think it is the BRZ. So it's the, is way too loud on the car, but that's a whole the, other It's the Bilsteins. It's the Bilsteins. It's the Brembo brakes, and it's actually decent tires. Uh, obviously, no power upgrades, because why would we do that from the factory? <laughs> but, it, but it is a little more track-friendly, and so we actually both... I'm tempted to post this video, Paul. I have to kind of throw it into the bus a bit. Uh, we actually both no, no, drove no. that late in the day. We drove the TRD version of the 86 platform late in the day. And I had a blast driving it. We'll come mm-hmm, back to that later. Mm-hmm. I had a blast driving it, even in contrast to the Supra. It was very interesting to drive them both. And so I really encouraged you, because uh, we were loving driving the Supra. I encouraged you to go drive the 86. And you're like, ah, I'm here for the Supra. I know how the 86 drives. My headspace drives. was Supra. Totally. Mm-hmm. I, underst- I understood why you were reluctant, but I said, please go drive it. Mm-hmm. And so you went and did it. It, it created some good conversation from us. But then, did, the, here's did. the funny part. I ended up pulling down various bits of the press footage to use to help our piece, okay, mm-hmm. which everybody did. Right. And I pulled down uh, – I needed a nice beauty shot of the TRD to use in one clip. That's the only place I was going to use it. I, I, but I had to download this whole clip for it. And I was scanning through the clip. And most <laughs> of the footage – it was shot late in the day. The day we were there, they actually shot it. Most of the footage was their driver for the, for the production company's driver, yeah. and he was going around, and he had kind of a face mask on, so you couldn't tell who it was, blah, blah. But they have one slow-mo shot of an 86 diving through a corner, expertly driven diving through a corner on <laughs> slow-mo, and in the driver's seat is my friend and co-host Paul with a big <laughs> smile on his face. <laughs> And they I just thought captured it because I, know, I, I can't I come back to you and you pull it like, and be like, yeah. it was fine because now they have proof. Yeah, so now <laughs> I have video proof that Paul enjoyed the 86 during the super launch. But anyway, sorry, go on. All right. I think that's hilarious. All right, so Tata Sen in 2012 was traveling in Europe. We got a little bit of this story at, yep. at the uh, the closing dinner. He was on a project in Europe and he got a message from headquarters saying, you know what, we want you to stop by BMW for a sports car project. Now, keep in mind, this being 2012, yeah. the FRS BRZ86 was launched in th- 2013. Just so coming he was out. just yeah. wrapping things yeah. up into production for that yep, new for sports sure. car yep. and told to go visit BMW for a sports car project. Mm-hmm. This ties back into my comment about my, my love and fondness and respect for Toyota has grown. Mm-hmm. Not that it was at, you know, notch one. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you moved up in the world. They You're weren't coming from the floor, but I that, take your that's point. That's not what yeah, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it's just grown, and I, I really appreciate that. And so he went and did, and he, we were told that – a little bit of this is in the video – that they both companies brought their ideals of what a sports car should be like. Yep. yep. And BMW targeted the Boxster. Toyota targeted the Cayman. They targeted it so much that the wheelbase is not close to or similar. It is exactly right. the same length as the Cayman. Which is crazy. Astonishing. They didn't happen to mention that at the time, but it's very funny to look it up and be like, um, excuse me, uh, <laughs> so, I, I, I don't mean to state the obvious here, but how much were you looking at the exactly. Cayman? Apparently quite a bit. A lot. Yeah. All right. So to answer the platform questions and all the questions about, well, it's just a BMW underneath, well, they, um, the companies didn't speak again for years. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, the FT1 concept came out, and we loved it. And mm-hmm. everybody said, build it. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. And the companies weren't talking. And by the way, we also sat at the same table as Kevin Hunter, who is the chief designer of Calti. He's the, the yeah, chief designer yeah, yeah. there. They worked on the project, and I asked him straight up. He said, we, we didn't talk to BMW. We, mm-hmm. didn't, we got some hard points after they figured out the package. 
And we started from there. They were never in conversation mm. or collaboration from there. Obviously, things grew together for production. Uh, certainly would have to. And yeah. part yeah, yeah. sharing and all the stuff that we know about. But it was really intriguing that they didn't talk for years. I'm thinking three to four years. Yeah. The companies didn't talk. This is a good thing. <laughs> it but does then, make for more unique cars between the two it, of them. It does. Sure, yeah. But then you know, everybody's saying, well, it's just a BMW. Is that bad? I last time I checked, BMWs are cool. I, I like them. Yeah. What's wrong with the collaboration here? I'm not understanding. Yeah. Well, it's the the, the thing that we're getting into here, and I, I want to touch on this real quick because you kind of teed me up for it, and that is, was this a problem to call it the Supra? Ah. And good, I want to come. Good. I want I want to circle back to the '86 because it it we have a direct analog inside Toyota to compare and contrast here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The 86 would not exist if not for a partnership with Subaru. Same kind of thing, splitting out the risk, making two models, except unlike this Z-Force uh, Supra situation, you can really put the two side-by-side, the two 86 twins side-by-side and be like, they're the same car. I mean, you know, they really are. Yeah, they really Front are. Front and rear yeah. fascias, and we're kind of done. You know, yeah. now when they first launched it here in the U.S., the FRS only had the lower uh, style of the interior. But in Europe, they had both levels of the interior, I mean, just like the Subaru had both levels. That was the levels. differentiator. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Until they started making Headlights. special editions in the yeah. U.S. Anyway, yeah. but no, front and rear fascias, the front and rear bumpers, essentially, and lights, those are the only defining features. Otherwise, they are the same car. I mean, sheet metal. Totally. It's crazy. everything. It's crazy. This is not the case here. These are more divergent than those cars, which I find mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of discussion when the 86 came out, and I actually agreed with it. Why isn't this called the Celica? Okay. But, okay. And I know the Celica has 86 uh, history in it, in its name. And so yeah. that's where the, the connection was. But they didn't just call it Celica. They have a, a, a car name in their canon, if you will, that people know that has race history. That's a, that's a smaller mm-hmm. car. Why not call it Celica? I wish they had. But I wonder now Do in you? retrospect. I wish they'd call it. Why not call it the Celica? That I had think history. the Celica equates to the 86 and the Supra is the Supra. No, no, no. I'm saying why not call the 86 Celica? Why didn't they do that? Oh, I'm saying why the, didn't they the do that? Oh, gotcha, okay? gotcha. I misunderstood. Yeah. So, so, that, so it's the thing. I'm of the, of the demeanor of why didn't they call that the Celica? But now I'm hmm. thinking in retrospect hmm. and going, would it have gotten more This is a uh, more of this similar hate? Why is it a collaboration? Uh, the Celica has always been only a car Toyota made. What, did they dodge that bullet hmm. unintentionally by naming it something else? To put it on the Supra fully, huh. fully should this be called something else? Hmm. Uh, I suppose you would avoid the some of the why does this have to be a collaboration hate, if you will, if it was called something else. But I think they should have named the 86 Acelica, and I think this should be called the Supra because of where it sits in the lineup and the name has history. Yeah, It yeah. doesn't have to be the same car, guys. It doesn't have to be exact. Honestly, they did the whole it has to be an inline six, and there's even a part of me going, does it? Sure, sure. I mean, yes, I know traditionally it does, but look at what's happening to the Corvette right now, something we're all rejoicing about. The <laughs> yeah. Corvette is about yeah. to be totally different than it's been before. And I say, what's wrong with that? If you have a storied name hmm. that is a good-to-drive car and you rethink it, but it's still a good-to-drive... If, if you rethink it and it's... I'll, I'll give you a bad example, okay? The, um, the Charger was okay. a two-door, and now suddenly it's a four-door big family sedan. That's a little weird, okay? Uh, yeah, that was but, a stretch. Yeah, that was a stretch. But, They're making it happen, though. They're but, making it work. But the, the Corvette has been an American supercar, if you will. 
It's yeah. going to continue being an American supercar. It's just now going to be mid-engine. Right. If we're going right. to apply the same rules, if you will, it can't be mid-engine because the Corvette's supposed to be front engine. What the heck are you guys doing? You can't do that. You've ruined the Corvette. You see where I'm going? Yeah. This yeah. is what's happening with the Supra. And I also think that the best of the Z cars ever was the 300ZX in the 90s. Personally, I love that car. I, I admit it. But it is the least like everything else in the lineup. I think it's the most interesting one. Hmm. Yeah. So take a name that, is, that has sure. history and make a great car. And in that case, I think they've done it here. Interesting. All right. Well, let's jump to styling first off. Everybody says okay. it looks good in various colors. Everybody says it doesn't look good in various colors. You and I both like it in yellow, and you don't like yellow cars. I love it in yellow. Crazy enough. It looks enough. great in yellow. Yeah, it does. All right. So the styling, as we mentioned, we sat with Kevin Hunter. He's the chief of the County Design Studio. Early in his career, he had a hand in the A80, the fourth generation Supra, the Fast and Furious Supra. He had a hand in that. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Very and cool. here we have him now leading the studio, leading the charge yeah, on the yeah. new Supra. Rest assured that he's got that in his mind. Yeah. And I guess more more on the people is Toyota is full of very sharp people mm-hmm. and very mm-hmm. cognizant and they are aware of the whole fast and furious phenomenon. They even mentioned it in the press briefing about Big time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they stopped production of the A eighty Supra three years before the first Fast and Furious movie came out. Yeah. They acknowledge it. Yeah. And yes, that that fourth gen Supra was popular with tuners, but it was invisible to the rest of enthusiasts because it was just popular with tuners. Yeah. Then when the movie came out, everybody said, wow, that's the coolest car yeah. ever. It was out of production. And Toyota even admitted to us they sold 3,500 of them and they were struggling to sell them. Yeah. yeah. And then the movie sure. comes out and suddenly they're popular and Toyota's going, "What happened? I wish yeah. the movie came out earlier. Yeah, so Why totally, didn't this yeah. happen three years earlier? And of course, th- where they have you guys be- been? They became a big thing because all these tuners have been making these crazy horsepower numbers. And I want to get back to that in a minute. But at the same sure. time, Toyota's not going, this car is a legend because of all these tuners. They're going, it's a legend because of the movie. Toyota's yeah. perspective on it is that, which is interesting. That's Toyota's perspective, even though, yes, it is tuned. All right. Uh, for sure, yeah. So, Kevin was very much leading the charge, his team, on the the new A90, so the new one. And what they call it uh, as part of the marketing brief that we've learned is function sculpting, okay? Okay. And they very much had aerodynamics come into play. And so the, the early concepts, especially that FT1, it was a larger car. Mm-hmm. And the all the attributes of the car visually were exaggerated. Okay, so now when they actually get real about the platform and decide on the ninety-seven point four inch wheelbase, Boxster came in wheelbase. <laughs> they bring to that well, we've got this larger concept that didn't have a platform, it mm-hmm. didn't have mm-hmm. a wheelbase. We just made it look cool, got everybody excited. Yeah, now for sure. we actually have to squeeze this on a about a three-quarter size package from what the early concept was. Significantly smaller. have to squish smaller. this yeah. down yeah, yeah. and still make the proportions look good and appealing. And so now, from a production purposes, where I'm going with this is the fake vents question. Fake vents all over the car, fake vents, make them real, they're fake. Yeah. I disagree. First of all, the hood is, we were told, the largest stamping BMW has ever undertaken. Really? I hadn't caught that. That's that interesting. That is huge That's a it's a deal. huge yeah. hood look where the shut line is it's yeah. not on the top yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on the it, side it rolls of the car. way out you're right that is impressive so not only are these these openings holes tears in the sheet metal there for 
styling purposes. Mm-hmm. They break up the, the surface lines. They break up your eye, mm-hmm. but they're for releasing tension in the metal, too. Keep in mind, BMW did that 7 Series. Remember the uh, the bangle yeah. rear end, yeah, the yeah, 3 yeah. Series? Which really, really the overly butt. complex. complex that, they, yeah. they had a lot of rejects because it's like a deep drawing a stainless steel sink. Mm. Because they have to wrap the metal in three directions and get all of it out of the same stamping. All right. Yeah. So the, <laughs> you could go for a while. I love this. To, but you could to, go for a uh, while. To, to retain what they had exaggerated on the concept but yet make it production worthy, they're having parts of the body stand off other parts. So but right uh, ahead of the rear wheels here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that uh, the whole sculpt, line, yeah. It, it comes up over the rear haunches there. Yep, yep. And they want they want it to separate from the body and be visually separated mm-hmm. instead of just making a crease in the sheet metal where you'd have to tone it way down they actually let it stand off but you have to fill that hole with something yeah yeah you got to make which two is a plastic yeah. fake vent yeah. otherwise you have to route it and channel it to what are you going to cool but then the car operates without all that cooling we're not talking we don't need you know, NACA ducks all over the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the car operates great. The cooling is fine already, so they don't need to be mm-hmm. functional vents unless truly we're, we're, you know, that's a wastegate out of the hood or it's a something. Yeah. But you have to actually make more parts to channel it out of the car yeah, or yeah, yeah. into a brake duct, which actually increases complexity. But I maintain they're there for styling purposes to maintain that concept look, but still... I, I I think make it a good-looking car. The, the rear yeah. taillights, yeah, yeah. how they drop down to the rear three-quarters, that's a separation there, and they're filled with black plastic. Yeah. Okay. It's it's visually striking mm. and more exaggerated and apparent than if they just kind of molded a hump. Yeah. Well, and it allows them to, to maintain some of the craziness look that that FT1 had because it had crazy openings all over the place. <laughs> and keeping yeah. these fake fake ducks and I want to get back to it there's so many things to, to discuss on this keeping the fake ducks and all that allows them to maintain some of that look and then there's a discussion going around and I don't know about it but there's a discussion going around that those ducks also could be opened up for tuning later for tuners to deal maybe May, maybe we'll get back to that uh, unless tuning you madness. need air blowing on the brakes like race cars yeah, do constantly how much effort is that going to be and who's going to actually do that but that's the discussion is oh no the tuners will do that which leads leads me to a mini rant. Um, uh, you and I are probably going to disagree on this. I'm sure I will get hate mail, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's a discussion going on already with this car. By, by the way, this car, 24 hours ago, this embargo lifted. Yeah. yeah. The internet has gone crazy. We're talking about it again. <laughs> We're going crazy. Yeah, but 24 hours ago. So the truth is tuners haven't done anything to this car really yet. The whole not, tuning market that existed really, no. for the the one in the '90s doesn't exist yet. It, that we're at, we're at ground zero of it. Essentially, people are, I'm sure, building crazy models for SEMA. We still have to make a movie about this car yeah, exactly. first before we can yeah. even get to tuning. Somebody yeah, quick for sure, make a movie for sure. But there's a discussion with both the '86 and this car and others as well. But but I've heard it with both of those cars. I've heard it with the Mustang. Heard other places. Oh, the manufacturer, they on purpose left stuff out for tuners. Mm. <laughs> I don't believe this happens. I don't believe this happens. Really? because the, I don't think so. I don't think there is a planning meeting where they say, we're not going to give this whatever because we'll let the aftermarket do it. Because as you like to say, these are companies in the business of making money. When they yeah. leave stuff on the table, Volkswagen is famous for this. People have, have mentioned many times, there's a simple tune available from Volkswagen. You suddenly make all the GTIs faster. Why doesn't Volkswagen do it? And then there's a rumor going around, oh, they're trying to help the tuners. No, they're not. 
They're trying to make a car that a person that is not an enthusiast that will just drive it and forget about it, it will still run and it will not cost them warranty dollars. They're not, this is the number one reason I think that the 86 has a torque dip because they have tuned it for the average non-enthusiast and a little tune fixes the torque dip. Forget getting more power for a second. Why does it drive that way? Because most people commute and they want to punch initially for the first 2,000 RPMs. If it dies away after that, that's not how they drive it. I think they are, manufacturers, in my opinion, are only making cars to sell cars. They are aware there's an aftermarket, but they're not playing to the benefit of the aftermarket. They know it exists in the same way. Here's my not great analogy. A chef at a restaurant okay. makes a meal. Okay. That's a large meal. They know you're probably taking half of it home. They're not making it so you can reheat it properly later and dip it in ketchup and watch it and sit, sitting on your couch. <laughs> they're not doing that. They're making the Wouldn't best. would you rather have cereal? Seriously. They're making the best version they can that they can make economically and quickly huh. and well to sell now. Now, I realize meals are very consumable with a very short shelf life. But a car still... A manufacturer doesn't financially only now benefit from you ca- taking your car and tuning it. They benefit from you buying a car and two years from now buying another one from them. They don't benefit from the tuning market. That's all the tuners. I don't believe that hmm. the Supra or the 86 or the Volkswagen GTI or any of these cars, the manufacturer is trying to help the tuner. No, they're trying to defend themselves and that leaves room on the table for tuners to blow it up and for the manufacturers to throw their hands up and be like, you tuned it, you're out of warranty, don't know what to tell you. They're not benefiting the tuners. Every time I hear this, mm. oh, they're leaving it for tuners, I go, no, they aren't. I, hmm. <laughs> bit of a counterpoint. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> ranting, and I know I bit, am. Bit of a counterpoint. I do think the 86 is the poster child. If there were any car built in the modern era that they did acknowledge and think about it struck me from day one of driving that 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 was version 1.0. And what's interesting, I'm not trying to get into a conspiracy theorist sort of situation here. Oh, I got the tinfoil out. I'll make a hell. It's going to be great. Yeah. (laughs) So we learned that Tadasan was in 2012 wrapping the 86. It's introduced in 2013 as a 2013. Yeah, yeah. And he's now visiting BMW for this mysterious sports car project. I believe that the, the subsequent years and generations of the 86 did not receive any power upgrades because they knew the Supra was coming. I agree with that. And they had to still differentiate it in the marketplace. I totally agree with that. And leave it alone. But I think think they knew people would tune. I, I guess of everybody that owns an 86, I would love to see some sort of statistical evidence yeah, of how yeah, many yeah. people have done something, whether it's from yeah. tires on up to a supercharger to their 86 to make it, air quotes, better. Yeah. And I bet, anything. I bet the percentage of enthusiasts that have done it is higher. 100%. The non-enthusiasts that just bought it. I mean, who leaves in it, but, the Prius tires on that car? Maybe you're listening and you have. You're just He's right. But... I, I'm curious, but I think you've you've helped. I think you've helped my point because I don't think they didn't give the '86 stuff because they thought, oh, the tuners will handle it. I think it's because they knew they were doing a super and they had to leave a gap. That plays okay. to their financial okay. benefit. It does, but I do think they thought, well, you know, we're making two versions of it. Maybe people won't tune the BRZ, but they'll tune the FRS. Uh, yeah. I, I I think Mustangs, Camaros, the MX-5, the Nissan Z, Honda Civics. Honda S2000s and Volkswagen GTIs are the poster children for car companies 
they're not saying, oh, we'll just hold back, but they're acknowledging that those cars will be tuned. I don't, th- yeah, I the think Copa they're aware. The Copa Camaro is a drag car specifically. Yeah. Buy this car and make it into the thing you want. Uh, they, uh, they, of course, know it exists, but I don't think they're doing it to benefit that market in the same way that I don't think your chef is cooking your meal for you to reheat it at home on the couch. I don't think that's happening. No. They get benefit no. when you buy the car new, and frankly, two years from now, they want you to buy another one. They want you to be used <laughs> up. That car's boring, which is why they do the special edition in three years, because yeah. they'd rather you came back and bought their special edition than tuned the one you have. This meal tastes good now, but just wait till the flavors till merge three days from when now. When you reheat it from the back that's... of your fridge, it's going to be Boy, awesome. Boy, then the stew will taste yeah. good. <laughs> I, I, I think I... there's more acknowledgement in car companies uh, okay. than there is not. But I think you're also right that it it's primarily to benefit themselves, mm-hmm. not tuners first. Yes. But I do think it does benefit tuners. Oh, t- tuners find a way. But I don't they think do, that the manufacturers but... are going, let's... Let's leave that for them. That'll benefit the tuners. No. They <laughs> right. want you buying cars. I, I could keep – this could be three okay. hours of all me right, just right. saying this over and over. I feel that strongly. But anyway, we should move on. Transmission. Why no manual? Uh, we have to touch on this. Of course we do. I have made a list of desirable aspirational enthusiast cars that don't have manuals. Okay. Ferrari. Lamborghini, McLaren, Pagani, Koenigsegg, Bugatti, Mercedes-Benz, Acura, Audi, like the RS3 and R8. Jaguar has announced no more manuals. Aston Martin, the Lexus LFA and the LC500 are not manual. True. True. The Alfa Romeo, at least in the U.S., no manuals. The Nissan GTR is not. The new (laughs) Ford GT is not. The Hennessy Venom F5, as amazing as that will be, won't be a manual. Yeah, you're right. No Teslas, no electric cars, including the upcoming Roadster that everybody's freaked out about, isn't a manual. You're right. You're right. Partnerships have existed for years. As we talked about the BMW engine in the McLaren F1, why is nobody freaked out about Mercedes V8 in the Aston Martin? Yeah. Now I yeah. realize they're not pure collaborations. It's just, here's an engine, make a different intake baffle, and yeah. you know, route the exhaust yeah. differently, and Have we'll fun. call it yeah. a day. Yeah. I what, realize it's a little bit different yeah. than that. Yeah. But as far as the manual transmission goes, I, I do think Toyota had input from pro-driving staff. I, to, to tune it a certain way. Well, I agree with that. I just don't think they... And differently than most I don't cars. think they had any plan other than we're doing an auto. Because have, I think the take-up rate was going to be so small on the manual, even though I and many others would have bought the manual version. Sure. I think the percentage-wise, this is why sure. all the companies you listed haven't even bothered, because it's about bothered. percentages. And do we still want those cars and think, well, McLaren's would be better if it had a manual? No. I, I want my 600 LT without the manual, please. Let's bring that to the track. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. All the cars you mentioned, would I personally like a manual version? I would, but there's like 10 of us that would actually buy it in a manual on purpose, okay? Richard Griot, okay? okay? He has a huge car collection. He told us when we were there seeing his big car collection, you may have seen us drive two of the cars out of collection in season four. We had so much fun in spite of getting all our gear stolen. It was it was that much fun. It was still fun. <laughs> hey, anyway, you steal all your stuff, including your clothes. So you have to go to yeah. you know, Walmart and shop yeah, for toothbrushes. Yeah, exactly. And live out, still of, be live awesome. out of a plastic bag and still have a great weekend. <laughs> yes. That's how good those cars were. But yeah. he had a he had a red Ferrari five nine nine in his collection. Cool. Yeah. And it was from his perspective, interesting talking to him, because from his perspective, it was just they Ferrari released a new V12 front-engine uh, sports car. He wanted to buy it. And so he ordered it with a manual because there was an option. <laughs> As one does. Seriously. It was the first manual delivered in the U.S., and it's one of like 12. And he, he – please don't get me wrong. This was not a car at the time that he bought to be a collectible. 
He mm-hmm. just looked at the build sheet and went, I'm buying it with a manual. And then they stopped making it with a manual. And now he has an incredibly rare car, kind of by accident. Why? Because he likes to drive a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. I, I think the story. Super with a manual would be amazing. But there is nothing, honestly, there is nothing wrong with the way it drives with this auto. Nothing. Totally agree. There's an, a really great article on a website called The Truth About Cars from Derek Kreindler, Kreindler on March 13th, 2015, who wrote a brilliant article saying that we are the reason automakers don't offer manual transmissions. I encourage you to go mm, find this article. Okay, good. He's pointing the finger at all of us, himself, us. We're the reason. Yeah. Because they languish on dealer lots. True. Dealers true, true. can't sell yeah. them. Yeah. The demand isn't isn't there. We as enthusiasts aren't buying brand new manual transmissions. <laughs> we true. sit back and we, you know, we say, "Oh, the, it would be so much better." Am I going to buy one right now? No. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, yeah. No. True. I want it with a manual. I would love it with a manual. I think it would be awesome with a manual. It'd be slower around the track. They wouldn't sell as well. The development dollars to develop the manual transmission for this brand new 97.4 inch wheelbase <laughs> would be more cost. So your cost yeah. goes yeah, up. Yeah, it'd be a sixty-five, $70,000 car. Yeah. And maybe it's heavier. Maybe it's not. We, we don't know. Yeah. The development time, matching the ratios, just developing and engineering a brand new manual. Yeah. I, I can see why they opted for the for not. Now they have listened. They yeah. Toyota acknowledged. Yeah. They they brought it up. First thing they yeah. said, every country, yeah. everybody yeah. has said, hey, when are you going to do it? So they might. Yeah. They might still. Well, and good on them. If Jaguar's F Type. They released it as an auto only. And a year, 18 months later, they said, we are going to offer a manual. And it's been kind of a limited edition thing. And I'm sure it sold some. And the people that would got, like that car in a manual mm-hmm. are buying it in a manual. And then they're moving on. Uh, th- <laughs> this, is, this is the world we're in. I mean, I hate to say it. But, but also, when you're in, when you're on track in that car, it's a ZF Auto. It's not a, it's not a dual clutch. When you're in, on track in that car, that transmission's excellent. It is. It truly is it's excellent. awesome. Yes. Very impressive. I mean, just that, think- there and the Alpha Julia Quadrifolia yeah. are the two best uses of that ZF 8-speed I've ever encountered, honestly. So think about this. They bring the car out. It's an automatic. Then they bring the manual out. Let's say they do. Yeah. And you've already yeah. bought one with the automatic. How frosted are your chestnuts going to be? Well, but quite how, frosted. But are you going to sell the automatic version on the on the uh, used market? Get most of your money back out of it and go buy a manual. You I, might. I hope this is back to where I started. They just want to keep selling cars every couple of years. Yeah, they do. You know, they so do. they'll do the special it, version. It's, it offers the Supra. It gains entry to more people who think Supra. Yeah, that's a cool alternative. No manual. Okay, I'm fine with that. And they and then once you drive it again, coming back to every comment. Yeah. On YouTube. Yeah. Nobody else has driven it. We yeah. came away loving the car, yeah, as yeah. is most people, and you had a great point. I will let you tell this point about well, car companies who build a car, and there's there's essentially two reactions from all of us who have driven it versus you know the people who haven't. Yeah, I mean, when, when you haven't driven a car, you're, you're, you're commenting, you're being a keyboard warrior, you're saying this car sucks or whatever, and you haven't driven it. And look, we've all done it. I understand that it happens. But what's, there's a weird phenomenon that happens. And we've seen it on our super video. I've seen it other places as well. Mm-hmm. And that is somebody that comes along determined to hate whatever. In this case, it's super. But it happens with plenty of cars. Determined to hate a car. And they go, well, if you liked it, then the manufacturer must have paid you to like it. <laughs> now, now, uh, I'll take what's, the money. What's, sure. Sure, we'll take the money and cash the money? check and There's still say what, what actually honestly we felt. But, I will take the money. But, but let's hang on for a second. <laughs> what's more likely? What's more likely in the modern time? <laughs> where people love to be the outlier and they love to do conspiracy theory and be like, I have the real information. People love to do that. In this modern time, what's more likely? 
that when all the reviews say a car is good, it's actually good. Or when all the reviews say a car is good, it's because the manufacturer paid off everyone and no one cracked. No (laughs) one cracked. We've got such resolve over here. Uh, so so maybe when a lot of and, – and the general consensus on this super seems to be surprisingly good. So <laughs> I'm going to suggest to you maybe it is actually surprisingly good. Is it perfect? No. Is it the super we've all dreamed of? Probably not. Does it make it bad? No. And, and back to this point, a couple of people have asked about it compared to the prior gen. Mm-hmm. One of the questions is, yeah, but can you tune this one to 800 or 1,000 horsepower? My response to that is, do you need to? What's that going to do for you? If you're making a drag car, this probably isn't your platform. If you're making a quarter-mile mm-hmm. car, this, there's other places to go. Why not buy a Hellcat? Save yourself time and money. Buy, your, buy yourself a Demon. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. If, you're, if that's what you're doing, quarter-mile times, buy yourself a Demon and work on that. Yep. Go talk to John Hennessy. You'll probably do, do better. <laughs> buy yourself the Tesla Roadster if it yeah. ever materializes, if you're chasing quarter-mile times. This is yeah. probably not your platform. But in general, and I know we've talked about this before, 400 horsepower, I think, is about the limit of what makes any kind of rational sense, even if you track your car a lot. Mm-hmm, Most cars, mm-hmm. you don't need more than 400 horsepower. This has got – this is a 4.1 4. Uh, 4. second zero to six. It's a quick car. Yeah, it is. Okay? Forget yeah, what you think based on that number that doesn't look crazy in a world where cars have 700 horsepower. You're looking at 335 and going – I don't know if that's very much. There is that question. <laughs> I don't know. But the car's genuinely quick. <laughs> and and so there's that. And then what is the measure of whether or not it's any good because you can make the the engine eight hundred or a thousand horsepower? Well, everybody who takes a Z06 Corvette and suddenly, you know, puts a different blower and makes it even more, that I, that must be better, right? I know the two J Z was a hero of an engine because it would could just take so much power. That's cool, but at some level I feel like that's a science project. How much can it take? <laughs> let's just drive the car and enjoy it. Let's blow it up. Let's, How just, much it's let's take? just enjoy. To that point, I do think this is going to be the poster child for SEMA this year. You remember oh, back in 2005 yes. Yes. when the Chrysler 300 came out? Snoop Dogg said that is going to be the car at SEMA, and it was. He called it. Well, this is the car for SEMA, and I people think you're will right. tune I think it. You're right. But I agree with you. What? Uh, okay, I think it's brilliant. We've talked about power levels. Does five, six, eight hundred horsepower make it better or? Yeah. Would good power, but great chassis, great handling, all the things that we yeah. love about sports cars actually be the better recipe? Who, what do you want to get out of it? Yeah, granted, I'm handling guy, and if, you, if, you, if your world is straight lines, I get you may want more power. But Our world is straight there, lines. There are so many questions here that actually are, are valid and interesting. Uh, there's one here that says, I want to talk about visibility and seats. One question about rear visibility. Mm-hmm. It is worse than the 86. Yeah. It's 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 yeah, a difficult they, car to see they, out of. Your your three quarter look over your shoulder thing is a is difficult in the Supra. Your reverse, you're going to be glad there's a reverse camera. It isn't it isn't terrible, but it is a a sports car in that regard in that there's not a lot of space. I mean, not a lot of visibility. There's not a ton of trunk space. I think it is a viable two people doing a, a road trip. I think it does have viable space for that. I don't think it has as much as the Corvette, which has a cavernous back. Mm-hmm. doesn't have as much mm-hmm. as the Corvette. Sure. I wonder if you added up the front and rear hatch of a Cayman, if the Cayman has more. I think it might, hmm. as far as uh, actual like cargo space is concerned. The, uh, the seats are excellent. Yeah, they are. And yeah. there's a question from Hayden. He asked the question about how are the seats compared to the 86. I really like the seats in the 86. Having driven in the Supra most of the day and I ju- jumped in the 86, I missed the Supra seats. I thought they were better. Hmm. Interesting. And the 86 seats are good. 
but the they're super good. seats are very, very they're good. amazing. I mean, there is a price difference, and and to yes. the person, yes. everybody coming away from this this press launch, yeah. Yeah. said there's a difference. You can feel this is a fifty thousand dollar car. Agreed. Agreed. And the eighty sixes half that price. Yes. You can yes. tell instantly. And it's and that's not a judgment on either car. I'm just glad that you don't get an either one and you're like, wait, what does this cost? You get it. You yes, totally get exactly. it. Exactly. There's uh questions about feeling. You know, what is does it feel like a Toyota? I I'll say it feels more like a Lexus, to be honest, in terms of interesting. uh build not quality, but uh, a substantial build. There's there's more stuff. There's adaptive suspension, which which the eighty six does not have. True, true, true. There's you know a larger engine, yeah, all, all those yeah. kinds of things. So everything built around that, the car feels quite a bit more robust and substantial. The weight does go up, and it but is, it feels Lexus like in that sense. It's an incredibly stiff chassis. Stiffer than the LFA, the center of gravity is lower than the 86. Which I don't know how they did, but that's a side note. astonishing. And a note on tuning, Jay Nguyen said, for 50K, is the Supra as good as a tuned GT86? Or even some other competitors like the Z cars, the S2000, the MX-5. Mm, $30,000 can go a long way in tuning a $20,000 car. It can. Yes, except there's three things you can't tune. Wheelbase. Center of gravity and weight balance, 50-50. True. You can't yeah. tune that out of a different chassis. You can throw parts on it. I can make you know this desk go fast. <laughs> I, you know the, that that boy's is a fast <laughs> desk. Man, I have can, you seen his desk? His desk is quick. I, I can yeah. throw parts at a thing until you achieve what you think is better, mm-hmm. zero to sixty. Yeah, handling whatever that is. But then coming back to the feel and what delights you. Mm. That's inherent in the platform. Can't tune yeah. that. Yeah, I I really want to put. I hope we can. We're we're fighting right now to try to get the Supra next to some of its competitors because mm-hmm. I really that was the yeah. thing that was missing in this day. It was really fun to drive the '86. It was really fun to drive the Supra. Driving back to back, compare and contrast. Find the fact that Su- that Toyota has really made two cars for two different segments, both of which are excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I based on all of you guys knowing my proclivities of light cars and cheap cars and that kind of thing. I lean more 86 because it's more me. But I don't get out of the Super and I'm just like, ah, I don't know. No, it's great. And it's great for the money. Yeah. So Toyota's done a good job of making yeah. both. But I'll be very interested to see that Supra with the actual things it's targeted at, the Cayman, the M2, these kind of things. That's where the story Because comes that'll out, be really sure. interesting to have a discussion. I think it is less about, I know this sounds weird, how is it compared to the Z4? Because that's going to happen. Somebody's going to do that discussion. And more about other hardtops. Oh, sure. How does it drive sure. and compare? Yeah. And there was another question about the Mark IV, the prior gen. Yeah. Which one's better? Now, I will admit I have not driven the Mark IV in stock form because at this point they're unicorns. We chased one once. We chased, on, uh, we chased trailer, one apparently. once, and the only way we could find it in stock form was an automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the garage queen that never got driven, and we were very cautious about driving the automatic f- plus driving it worthwhile and hard when the owner is practically rubbing it with a diaper. Okay. So yeah. it was the, these were the discussions. So I haven't driven it, but I will say this it is a, by its nature, it is a softer, more GT car than this current one. And I also yeah. think if, you, yeah. if, you're, if you personally are trying to decide which do you prefer, you're talking about two cars from two different eras. I would say to the same person, do you want the 370Z or the 300ZX? 
Mm-hmm. Both good cars in their right. own right, right, but they're cars from very different eras, which mean they have fundamentally different feel. Do you want a 20-year-old car? Because that has a very different yeah. feel, or do you want yeah. a modern car? That actually is the d- dividing line of these cars, I think, more than anything, is just the amount of time that's passed. Yeah. What do you like? Yeah. What tech do you want? What feel do you want? Do you prefer? Look, if you prefer the 90s uh, Japanese car feel, you need to buy a Japanese car from the 90s. Yeah, no kidding. There, there isn't no anything kidding. else. There, it's just not possible. But, uh, that, that Skyline you and I drove. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's forbidden fruit, but it's now over here. It's a fantastic car from the 90s. There's no giant screen embedded in But the it's from panel. the 90s. So do you want a car from then? <laughs> Great. Go buy one. You can't buy a new one because it's like that doesn't True. exist. Okay, reliability and repairs. In the press briefing, we were told by Toyota that the engine was subjected to all of the Toyota battery of tests, the standards for durability and reliability, and they said it passed. That's interesting, isn't it? And everybody in the room said, okay. <laughs> if it's subjected to yeah. your standards? Yeah. I guess the rest of us are okay with that. Well, and there, and at that point, we have to take their word for it. Absolutely. Because, yes. I mean, yes. what's it going to be like in five years? Ask us in five years. Well, yes. And so that comes down to the reliability and questions about, well, are Toyota dealers now going to have to learn about it? Yes, they are. Yeah. And they yeah, will yeah. be trained. There are companies whose sole mission in life is to train not only mm-hmm. employees how to sell the car, but how to repair the car. There are repair mm-hmm. manuals. This Interesting. is a, and yeah. a whole other industry as a matter of fact you're right you're and right. there are companies that do this and yes they will yeah There's, okay four what hours else? later we, we, we should <laughs> probably go to a break so in. that we can actually come back and do we other should. things other than just the supra but there's there's so much to talk about in this car clearly because it, here's here's the thing i like about it it's making a ripple through the automotive world in general so we can talk about and lots of cars cool. because of the the stone drop, if you will, of uh-huh. this car. It's affecting so many other things. We're talking about everything across the board. There's much more to come on all of that. So we will be back right after the break. We all have a lot of to-do lists, and some of them get quite long. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea, though. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save, you've heard it before, 15% or more on your car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding to-do thing on your list today. We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend, because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to AutoTrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with AutoTempest. AutoTempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at Auto Tempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. So if we give you drive homework, or you're chasing your dream car, or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. We're back. You know what it's time for? It's time to talk about the Supra. No, no. We we should. We we shouldn't talk about the Supra anymore. (laughs) Put the Supra water down. We should talk about something else. I don't have Supra water left. I'm Uh, all out of Supra water. That's too bad. I'm, I'm sure somewhere... 
There is somebody at Toyota whose back, the back of their office is just stacks of super water. Super water. They're, they're going to be, be drinking they, they and their family are going to drink super branded water for the next year and be like, I hate my job. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's going to happen. Yeah, All right. Uh, Usman Noor in Cleveland, Ohio, has a car crisis. Thank you for writing in. He thinks of himself as an enthusiast and has had fun cars in the past 10 years, including a B7 Audi A4, mm-hmm. driving in Cleveland, of course, the Quattro. He's had an 08 and 09 BMW 328 sedan and coupe. Loved it. He's buying like a car every year, but keep going. Yeah, he's 2013 Mustang GT, 2015 Mustang GT. No track packs on either. Let me stop for a second. He Wait. has little notes behind all of these. Oh, well, like little, little commentary. Little commentary yeah. about what I think. The 2013 Mustang GT, his response was non-track pack. Mustang GT non-track pack, his comment was, eh, it got old. So he buys a 2015, two years later, uh, Mustang yeah. GT non-track pack, and guess what happened? Eh, got old. Good point. Uh, Good um, point. Uh, let's branch out. Moving on. Sorry. All right. Now I hear you. All right. And then a full decade between his Honda Civic SIs. Mm-hmm. He had a sedan in 08, and he had a coupe in 2018. Yep. Both cars, he said, loved it. Yeah, cool. All right. Cool, cool. And now he's got his dream car. He has attained his dream car, the 2018 BMW M3, the F80 M3. Yes, yes. The one that's just, that, that generation's just ending. Yes, yes, just big, ending. Big, so, fast M3. The last one we covered last, in our Icon film. One, yeah. yeah. All right. So all the cars have always been manual transmissions, including the M3. Very and he cool. says, that will be the case as long as they make them. Mm-hmm. Okay, agreed. Great, love it. Loves horsepower. He says, I enjoy a straight-line monster as much as anyone else. The charm for these high-horsepower cars wears off on me quickly. Hmm. He's found that most of his favorite cars in the above lineup were the Civic SIs and the base model 328s with just the sport packs, as yeah. in yeah. Yeah, something yeah. nimble, light, and rear-wheel drive. It's so now you can use more of it. I keep I keep beating well, on this drum in a in a daily situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now he's in a position in life. He said he's able to get himself the dream car, which is the M3. Yeah. But despite now having it, he's now looking back and thinking, "What about the Subaru BRZ? What about a used one of and those?" He's realizing he has the big boy with a lot of power and all the bells and whistles, and he goes, "Is this car too big?" Which is a fair question because that yeah. M3 is genuinely big. Well, it it also, drives well, but it's genuinely big. It goes back to our horsepower discussion about what horsepower is the sweet spot. And we've yeah, said from for sure, for 240, sure. 250, all the way up to 350, somewhere yeah. in there, depending on the car. Yeah, course. yeah. Up above 400, you've got to – where are you using that? And, and is it a laugh? Uh, look, I'll be honest. Yes, it's a laugh. Heck yeah. I have laughed like a, a crazed child in things like the Hellcats and the big Z06s and watch our Corvette uh, new ZR1 oh, piece. Man. I mean, you can't help but laugh. But, it, but, it's, but it's almost that maniacal laughter because you're pretty sure you're just about to die. It's kind of that, okay? <laughs> it's, it's not it, – in most cases, it's not I can use this. It's I can be irresponsible and yes. get a laugh out of this and hopefully I don't end up either dead or in prison. <laughs> And then now what? <laughs> don't look at the bridge abutment. Don't look at the bridge yeah, abutment. Exactly. Just don't. Okay. Eyes up. Eyes eyes way up. I mean, yeah. good thing that electric car companies are bringing us, you know, a thousand horsepower electric cars in the future. Good mm-hmm. thing. The thank, horsepower thank, wars are going Thank God up. the zero to 60 is going to be half what it is right now Sheesh. because that's going to be safe for everybody. Yeah. Man. All right. So back to the debate here for Usman. He says a little horsepower means he can bring it out all the time. Yeah. Transmission. Yeah. Excellent rear-wheel drive dynamics. And... Of course, the 86 is less expensive on the consumables. For sure, so we for can sure. track it. You can autocross it without feeling guilt. And is this a better platform to start his journey into track driving mm. rather mm. than the M3? And the question is, do I autocross and track the M3 and really tame this beast? Or do I downsize to the BRZ? 
It's a great question. There's it's an so many layers of this. Question. So many places we can take this. Did you think about our friend who first tracked? He had his first track day in his big M3. Did you think about our friend that did that oh. locally? He had the same generation M3 you have, Usman. Yeah. Same one. And he Brandon. hadn't been on, Brandon had yes. never been on track before. And he went to a BMW Club track day. Now this guy is a former. <laughs> the brakes. He's a former fighter pilot, <laughs> so he is he is not at a loss for bravery. Okay. Is it Harriers? He was Harriers. Flying? He was a Harrier yeah, jump it, this jet is, pilot. This is just jets. This yes. is jets with a nozzle that points in different directions. Yes, exactly. Kind of jets. Exactly. You right. started to stand still and suddenly you're flying. Yes, kind of exactly. Jet. This is the, the vertical takeoff jet. Anyway, so he was a Marine Harrier pilot. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> and been in combat situations in the Harrier. Imagine that for a second. Well, okay? landing on carriers. Oh yeah. Landing that as well. suckers on carriers. So yeah. so no no Amazing. loss of bravery. But he had never tracked his car a car at all before. He mm-hmm. went to a track day with his BMW M3, which means he was throwing it in much more than any normal person would on their first track day ever. And he destroyed. I'm not kidding. Destroyed his brakes in one track day. Pads, <laughs> rotors, all of it had to be replaced. One track day, his first time ever. And, and since it was his first time ever, that actually suggests that if he had tracked more, he would have gotten even more aggressive. My uh-huh, point here is uh-huh. the dealer shook their head at him like, you've got to be kidding. I, I did like how he played it off. He was, you know, was that raw? Was, yeah. was I not supposed to do that? It, yeah. it is an M3. Was I not supposed yeah. to do that? But it was just that, and that was the weight. And I've actually heard this from other owners of this, uh, these latest generation M3s. They're monsters on the track, mm-hmm. but they blow through consumables, brakes, mm-hmm. tires. Yeah. I mean, they blow through it. So does the GTR. Also a, 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 a yeah. world beater on track, but you better have spares today. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So I yeah. think in that regard, if, if you're thinking about getting into fast driving, track driving, autocross, that kind of stuff, and you're worried at all about consumables, Forget the BRZ for a minute. I do think you should get out of the M3 because I think it's going to be a consumables monster. It will be no doubt fun, and it would be fun to, as you say, tame it. But I think the consumables are going to shock you. I'm in full agreement. I do think, yes, you should get something else. Interestingly, though, this TRD86, as you now have video proof of my cackling around the track. actually liked, yes. (sighs) <sighs> yes. Um, in slow-mo. I, I, I share was? with you. In slow, it's slow. Uh, I'm going to have to pull this clip and just post it uh, just because it makes me laugh. It, it, it gives me a warm feeling in my heart. Oh, man. I, I didn't even know the photographers were out there. Yeah. <sighs> they were out there. They caught Of all the people. Oh, they, man. I drove the car for a while when they were shooting. It could have been me in the footage. It's not. It's you. Oh, man. Slow-mo and smiling. <laughs> anyway. All right. So the point is the exhaust is horrible on the TRD. It's awful. Yeah. It's boomy. It's horrible for street driving. I didn't notice it on track because <laughs> I was cackling. Yeah. So if you would maybe get one of those new because yeah. they're still in a in a good sweet spot and you get yeah. the upgraded brakes, suspension, yeah. Yeah. you get the better tires, all that kind of stuff. If you're going to start doing that instead of getting a used BRZ and then doing it, go get the TRD version. Possibly. Possibly. Now, again, the exhaust is a problem. You might still have to sort that out according to your like. Maybe you're fine with it. Maybe you are. Well, and, 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 and that's fine. And there's a middle ground here, and that is could you buy, a, and I'm sure you can, can you buy a used one, and can you buy all of the performance pack equivalent from Toyota and should all bolt on? 
Maybe. That's not a bad idea. You could do that, you too. You know, get a $15,000, $18,000, yeah. $86,000. Yeah, for sure. And then, well, it just, yeah, kind of depends on where you're Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have to run the numbers and how you want to tackle yeah. it. And do you even want to tackle that business? Do you want to do that yourself? Yeah. But but it stands to reason that that would be possible. Please stay with a normal exhaust because, trust me, you didn't like yeah, the TRD. Yeah, it's not, not good. good. I don't know not what you're thinking. Yeah, well. The M3 is an awesome car. I love it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's it's Autobahn car. Think of oh, the yeah. origins, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the roads around Munich. You can bomb around yeah. Munich in that car. They, You're they're made for high speed, yeah. brilliant, smooth, fast, responsive, amazing, fun driving. Yes, to mm. all of that stuff. But if you're going to track it, it's going to eat you alive. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna just consume so stuff like crazy. I, yeah, I guess we're going back. But could that leave something, if you've got the, the BRZ, say a new 86, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're starting to track it. Maybe you leave a little bit of budget for something else that's the commuter car. Maybe this becomes kind of your race track car over here. Yeah, possibly. And you get some kind of interesting manual commuter car, like a Miata or like a something else. But, but Usman, the thing that I think is amazing about the 86, and I know I talked it up one side and down the other, and I feel the same way about the Miata and a lot of other cars like this, the Fiesta STs in this category. When you get this stuff that doesn't have crazy power but has really good dynamics and you feel yourself extracting it regularly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, if you if you genuinely like to drive like we do and i realize look i have days when i'm glad to be in my wife's cayenne and just kind of turn it all off a bit i, I do like that but sure when you're extracting stuff from a car and the car is being responsive to what you're telling it that is one of the great nirvanas of driving. It really is. Whether and, and I mean that yeah. you literally are doing yeah. an on ramp and merging properly, or you're on a track. You can get that in either of those scenarios. So I feel like the lighter, simpler cars offer that in an easier way. Granted, if you're in Florida or Texas and you have a big long straight in front of you and you've got a thousand horsepower, that's funny too. But <laughs> it's I not just fun. It's funny. Yeah, exactly. But I just enjoy extracting that. Can I? This actually kind of walks us to a weird. Um, I may get in trouble for this comment. Uh oh. Okay. I drove the Supra. I know, I'm back to Supra. Sorry, I, but but I drove the Supra. Are I you drove, super sorry? I, I'm not super sorry about mm-hmm. it. No. I, I but I was there with you driving the Supra, and I convinced you to drive the TRD. But my point here is, I got in it and just thought I'd be interested to compare and contrast these. Sure. And sure. I got out and I came over to you and you looked at me like I'd lost my mind. <laughs> I said I'd rather have the 86. Yeah. Yeah, you now, did. I'm not I listen guys, think about my proclivities. I had an FRS. I love it. I still love it even though I sold it. I have the Lotus Elise. I love that. I like small light cars. So it plays uh, directly totally to my okay. proclivities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the Super at 3400 pounds weighs about what the last version did. Weighs about what all its competitors do, let's be honest. It weighs about right in the sweet spot of all its competitors. Mm-hmm. The 86 was just playful. In a way that the Super wasn't. The Super was Incredibly fast, very fun to drive. I really have no big slights of it on the track, and yet I got in the 86 and found it to be more playful, more fun. It had a, a light, uh, playful is the word I keep coming back to, but it had a, had a light, just easy to throw around and consequence-free feel to it, which sounds hmm. weird. Hmm. But there was something about the simplicity of that car that I felt like I'm going to push this even harder than I did in the Supra because I can't get going as fast as quickly but yeah. but when you dive it into a corner, it was just it was so easy. The the balance of it was so simple. There wasn't weight to get out of, out of your way or out of control. It had great grip because it had good tires. 
I enjoyed my laps in the 86 even more than I did in the Supra. And the Supra was crazy fun. And I'm not, please don't get me wrong, this is not because it was manual. I'm talking about its its dynamics in corners, mm-hmm. the way it handled changes of direction, and the way it talked back to me, in spite of the fact that inexplicably, I felt like I was riding higher in the car. I felt higher in the than 86. the Supra. Yes, I felt like I was I higher. I felt in like the they're car. about the same, but and it also has wow. far more interior space, surprisingly, than the Supra. Yeah, well, it's almost airy by comparison. It's got but, four inches more wheelbase back there, and uh, yeah, and at back seats and a lot of lot of room on your shoulders, but painted um, on. Yeah, exactly. Seats in a can. Hey, hey, they can work. Now, I, I have to say it. I'm, I'm okay, shocked to okay. say it, but I, if I personally were going, which would I buy? I'd buy the '86. I'm astounded by that. I, I like the new. I like the latest as much as I like going backwards in classics yeah, and I know '80s I know. and '90s cars, but. For me, there's a part of me that wants the the tantalization, the the tingling, the the something out there Easy that there. I'm chasing. Family podcast. Family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 thing that is uh, pulling at me that the mm-hmm. car has more that I either need to step up in my driving game mm-hmm. or it is better than I and mm-hmm. and it's. Pulling me along. There's more power. There's more it. in the chassis that than I'm able to extract, and therefore, it's the next thing, the next goal. So, mm-hmm. you know, the next pinnacle to achieve, the next thing out there to reach for and attain. And I don't quite know how else to describe it other than there's more to it, and there's there's something else. You there. want the challenge and the thing to grow into. I see that. I see more that. of yeah. that. I mean, you're right. It is fun, but the Supra. Just pulled that. Oh, yeah. there's something here. Oh, yeah, there's for sure. There's more to it. Oh, I don't know the track well enough to extract that corner out of this thing. That's a challenge. Yeah. I want to come back and attack that. I'll, I'll speak to my own cars. I even, I even mentioned this at the time. I love my Lotus. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. tracking my Lotus. I love back roads on the Lotus. But the time I've had the Lotus on the track, anytime, my Lotus or other leases on the track, I have loved it. I actually think if I was going to go to the track regularly, like six, eight, ten weekends a year. I was going to get on the track a lot. Hmm. I'd rather have an FRS back. No kidding. For consumables? Well, but the Lotus isn't bad on consumables because because of its consequences. Yeah. The Lotus yeah. has real financial, and this can go very <laughs> badly awry consequences if you find the edge and you're a bonehead and you don't do it right. It has clamshell consequences. It does. Clamshell consequences, spin consequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I've had that car at the edge, and it's amazing. Honestly, I have never had an experience in another car of everything I've ever driven on the track and otherwise. The Lotus at the edge, when the steering starts to communicate the fact that it's about to go, is a completely unique driver experience. And I enjoy it while it simultaneously terrifies me. <laughs> I was going to say, by the, the butt clench. Seriously. Sort of terrifying. Seriously. It is, it is yes. amazing. <laughs> but that, the super, a lot of these big horsepower cars, I am aware of the level of consequence that is involved if it goes wrong. Sure. The 86, when you drive it hard, for me personally, feels consequence-free because okay. it's a car. I'm not saying you can't be a bonehead and wreck the car. Of course you could do that. Uh, yes, yes. Of course you, you could do that, okay? It can't save you from being a terrible driver, but partially because it's it's so responsive to commands it's light on its feet, and if you do bin it, it was a twelve thousand dollar car. 
or 15 or 16. And I am aware of that okay. because budgets matter. So this, this is me coming back to I will continue to track my Elise a few times a year, love it for as long as I own it. Sure. I will never apologize for having it because it's, it's magical. It, I don't have another word for how much I love the Elise. It's a magical car for me. But if I tracked all the time, I'd get an 86. Hmm. Look, I'm not saying that I need the GT350R or Z06 or something where because you are. that car actually saves bad driving because you can pin it on the straightaway and leave everybody in the dust and then drive terribly for the rest of the track and then pin it again on the straightaway and everybody's <laughs> fed up with you. It's the it's the muscle car approach to yes, driving a street. I'm not uh, saying uh, that's where road I'm course, at. Yeah. I, I want still something in the car that, I know you do. that is pulling, beguiling me yeah. and saying, come find that. You are very fast in your Cayman on the track. And when we were at our, our Utah meetup last year, I thought it was hysterical because you were leading a line of Caymans. There were like four in a they row. Wanted to, they wanted to eat me. They were, but there were like four in a row. And, yeah, and, and I know this because they all slowly passed me on the straight. Every, they, all four. <laughs> Until you, you were catch first, up. You were first, and all four of them picked me off on the straight because I don't have the power to keep up with the Caymans. But what was funny is I'd watch you guys walk. Not far, but I'd just watch you gain distance yeah. on the straight. Three corners later, I'd be... Hi, guys. <laughs> tap, tap. I'm yeah. right here. Yeah. I'm right here. It's funny. Yeah, very fun. All right. Moving to questions. The Indianapolis Mets said, can we talk about Maseratis losing for our engines? Well, sure. I mean, even Ferrari has realized the suckitude, the grand terribleness of Maserati. And so they decided I, I to was pull drinking it. and nearly had an accident. That's fantastic. Yes, even Ferrari. on your laptop. Even Ferrari went, yeah, we're getting out of that business. I'm telling you. They, they, yeah, Maserati, why would we want to give you engines anymore? <laughs> no. Now, it's not till 2021 or something like that. But they have realized and they're backing away, it's, it, washing their hands and going, we're out. Well, what's funny about that is the, uh, the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio engine is a Essentially, a six-liter. It was it was an, a V8 from Ferrari with two cylinders chopped off. So it's yeah. a six-cylinder Ferrari engine. Yeah. Ferrari's not removing that engine. They're just walking away from Maserati. Yeah. Alpha, <laughs> Alpha, and all exactly. of their issues, we're okay with. But Maserati, exactly. we're, sorry, guys, we're out. We're done. Totally. I mean, they've realized. They've come to their senses. Love it. That's fantastic. Uh, what do we have here? Um, <laughs> Jorge said, sorry, super question. Is it me or do you have to have an especially elastic neck to get in and out of the Supra? Uh, you're not, it's not just you. It's not just you. Something about the ingress, egress of that car, it, 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 it has a, this is going to sound weird, has a deceiving door opening. You open the door of my Elise and you're like, huh. I need to like think about a strategy. I'm okay? not flexible. The, the Supra, you open the door and you think, I'll climb right in there. But if you've got a helmet on and you're tall like us, it was a couple step process, and it had you had to kind of go slow and like really bend around. Mm-hmm. Once you got through the edge of the door because of the bubble cockpit, you had plenty of room. But actually, getting through the door opening was was a surprise. Look, the double bubble. I, I, I'm cutting. I'm I'm being picky here, but it was surprising with with a helmet on and being like, wait, I still got to leave. You felt like Jack from the Jack in the Box commercials. I'm almost I almost fit. Hang on, and then it worked. All right, Ted Theologan on uh, Ted Instagram. Theologan, yeah. Has well, he's on a trip. He's in Portimao until Wednesday. Awesome! Wow. Do he says? Do I take our base rented Mini Cooper around the Autodromo for seventy euros? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Are, why are you going to be back next year in something else? Exactly. I. I mean, what time's your flight? Can you like <laughs> dash for the airport? Is it? I mean, check your rental contract, but don't check your rental contract, and then just. 
you know, beg forgiveness. And was just was that wrong? Did I was well, I not supposed to? Back cause... to our pilgrimage trip. One of yes. the coolest things about the pilgrimage trip is the fact that when you watch professional drivers drive a car later, like the six hours of Spa that our friend Billy Johnson races. Yeah, right. Or right. you watch F one and you think I've driven that track. You're not thinking, if you're smart, you're not thinking, I drove that track that well. Because, no, you didn't. But you've driven that track. <laughs> to be able to say you were, you drove Portimao, I don't care if you went slowly in your Mini Cooper. Exactly. I, who cares? That's really cool, You're not going to burn up the brakes. You're not there. To, you're learning a new track. You've got a rental car. Go enjoy, but it should be fine. I think it'll be fine. I love it. Uh, Mike wrote to us, Cam Automag. He oh, said, yeah, right. Super's good and all. It's good and all. But he's got a real, like, hardcore question here. Uh, track Daily Crush. Mm. FedEx van, UPS van, DHL van. Ooh. Track daily crush. Ooh. I'm going to daily the DHL. Okay. Because yellow. Interesting. I wouldn't have chosen that, but I got it. Okay. I'm going to crush the UPS truck because brown. Okay. And I'm going to race the FedEx truck because they've got an arrow in the logo. You and I don't agree on this. That's interesting. We're split on this. Uh, yeah. I think I'm tracking the DHL van because those are the ones that are the closest to normal vans. They're kind of small, typically. They're typically okay. like the small, okay. normal van. Okay. So that might, and they, and they are rear-wheel drive, so that might be the best track vehicle. They do have red I actually and thought yellow this through. logos. That, I'm crushing the FedEx because it's the middle of the, of the group because I'm actually going to daily the UPS because it's got those easy access doors. And there's something huh. cool about it. I'm driving down the freeway with the door. I drove by a UPS car the other day. We were sitting, we were driving through town. We drove by a UPS truck, and my son kind of lost his mind. Dad, his door's open. It's like, yeah, they do that. That's funny. They, they do that. They just sling the door open, they just drive. Does he know about Jeep Wranglers? Yeah, whole separate thing. Okay. Uh, he, right. he does because he went to Moab with us, but it was just well, funny yeah, because he, he didn't, he was like, he didn't have exclusive door closed. Like, no, no, it, it's okay, bud. He's got a seatbelt on. They do that. I, I hear you on the vans thing, but different companies drive different vans around the world, and so it, it varies. Know, but, it's not like one but most shipping time, company's locked into one van manufacturer. I know. The UPS people, they drive sprinters and they other do, stuff but most of the time it's but... the big box van with the cool slide okay, doors. So right. you're in and out quick. I'm I was just, just going straight purely by graphics alone. Uh, okay. See, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm thinking this through. All right. thinking this through. All right. DHL, yeah, on the track because well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. There's an endless debate over here on Facebook from Tyler Nelig who has said, best single brand tow rig and track car combination. Go. <laughs> I knew you'd like this question. I, it's like it's like catnip. I mean, as soon as you like a Cayenne towing a Cayman, yeah. That well, is funny. How about a Raptor towing a GT350R? He's given us all these examples. Yeah. How about an Urus towing an Huracan Performante? Yeah. But I think my favorite so far is a Cherokee Trackhawk towing the new Ferrari F8 Tributo. It's all you, in yeah, the same everybody's family, connected. all in the same family. That's funny. Yeah, that's see? good. I like it. But I there like won't it. be any Maseratis because Ferrari has decided to ditch, like... <laughs> Rats from a ship. Bye-bye. There they go. There they go. Mr. Miata asked us on uh, on Instagram, he said, if you're watching Superpiece, he's wondering, why on earth, if we knew we were going to drive track, didn't we bring our own helmets? Because helmets are hard to pack. They're hard to take on airplanes. It and, sucks. And we have to do carry-ons of gear. Mm-hmm. So I have to tell you, when we're going to a track event, I'm actually pleased when they're going to have helmets. Plus, the helmets you and I have right now are full-face helmets, and it's much, much better for Cameron to have open-face helmets. We knew they'd have open face at this event, so we left our helmets at home, which made packing far easier so that's why robert Tedisco asks are spirited drives more enjoyable with a destination or without one 
I I think both. I, I, <laughs> How much I, time do you have is really the question. Exactly. I mean, honestly, I think Saturday mornings and I'm just off for a drive on the favorite Canyon Road. Okay. And then I'll figure out lunch later and whatever. Fine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then destination drives when, okay, we've got the restaurant in mind and we're going to meet here at 1130 and then we'll get served by noon. And, you know, we've got to get on the schedule here. Great. That's fun too. I, I mean, I think it kind of depends. I think you're tapping into something though. Are you going with others or not? I think if you're going with others, you need to have some sort of an agenda. Okay, okay, fair enough. Fair if enough. you're going out by yourself or possibly with one other friend in one other car, you can go with no agenda. Okay, but once you get a, like a group going, we got we got to give this some sort of structure because everybody's going to drive at different speeds and have different needs and all this kind of stuff. So you go, and, okay, we're going to meet yeah. here, we're going to lunch here. This is how we're doing it. If it's you. You just go. Because then it'll devolve into, I want pizza, and I want Chinese food, and or, I want barbecue. And or, I don't want to drive as fast as you guys, and I need yeah, to pee. True. And it's just, you, get, you get it all solved by just, you've got a lot of people, you've got to do a plan, I feel like. But mm. anyway. All right. Uh, last question for me from Christopher Meligase asks, if we've ever thought of releasing older seasons of the show on Blu-ray. Oh, I saw this, yeah. Kind of cool. I like your idea. Definitely the films. Uh, I guess we can consider that, but we'd certainly want them to sell. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of a toss-up. It's a bit of work to to create the packaging and create everything. I uh, I suppose yes, but it's not a super high priority right now. I, I'll be I honest. Love, I love our stuff on. It's a great question. I love our stuff on Blu-ray. It plays really, really strong on Blu-ray. It looks really, really great. Mm-hmm. The Amazon Prime version, actually, season three just went to Prime this past week. Yes, the thank Amazon you, right. Prime version actually looks surprisingly good. Their compression is excellent. We send them a very big file and they compress it. Yeah. They do a really good job. Yeah. So I do like it there. I just don't know what the demand would be. If I thought there was a lot of demand, let us know. If I thought there was a lot of demand, I'd worry about it. Mm. I don't know that there's enough demand. Um, I got a couple others real quick. All right, uh, go. Let's see. Um, b- both of them are super related. Uh, first off, Road Cache on Instagram said, okay, he's look- he-, he prefers GT cars over pure sports cars. Supra or used Lexus RCF? Oh, I saw this question. Yeah, good. For 50 grand. I actually think Supra. And here's why. Really? We drove an RC recently. Not the F, but we drove an RC recently. We have a piece coming on it. The RC feels far less like a sports car and I think doesn't feel as special as the Supra. It's it's a it's a very good car. We've recommended it on the podcast before. I think the Supra has a an extra element of specialness and an extra element of sporty nature that again, you can have it on the comfort mode and you can just GT car it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it has yeah. it has a, a an awareness of more potential than I think the RC gives you in normal form. Plus you sit higher in the RC which might be a bonus depending on who you are, but I think that the the Supra is more interesting. Interesting. I uh, I'm with you on the Supra because you could make the argument for a long wheelbase on the RCF, mm-hmm. and it's got a lot of power and all that stuff. But we have identified the Cayman as an excellent, surprisingly good road trip car it with is. its it 97.4 inch wheelbase. <laughs> gonna we're keep beating, beating that number, and we're gonna all repeat exactly <laughs> the wheelbase of the Cayman and the Supra because now it's a thing. It's like yeah. a tattoo. It's right on my arm exactly (laughs) yes but you're right the super can do the gt car thing i think it's an excellent car i think you'll have a whole lot more fun i think so too i think it's just gonna enjoy owning it more get the supra get the launch edition with the cool mirror caps because they're red and you'll pay two thousand dollars more and you can say it's a launch edition you know what you could do you could buy a red one which has red mirrors because it's red oh logic yeah Logic. Yeah, You're using anyway. logic. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy that I'm doing that. Last one for me, uh, also super related, but but here's the thing. Th- th- again, it's this ripple effect. 
all the other cars it touches. Okay, mm. uh, this is uh, a, a, a fisher nave. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but there it is. Anyway, that was a terrible butchering of your avatar. I'm sorry, but how would the Supra compare to the Evora 400? Oh, he says Evora S or Evora 400. Here, here's the thing about it in a couple of ways. I personally would pick the Evora all day long. I prefer the Lotus feel. Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the 400 is significantly more expensive. Yeah, yeah. 20 plus grand, depending upon the kind of deal you get. I mean, the list price on them is like 100 grand. We're hearing Matt Fair and others have talked about the fact that there's like cash if you want to come buy one. They're going to give you deals, which yeah. would be great, and I wish I could do one. Like seventy but, grand, and yeah. What what would you between, like your leather between seventy and eighty grand? You can actually get one, and the MSRP yeah. is like a hundred. But you're still twenty plus grand more expensive than the Supra. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of the problem it has with the Cayman. Uh, the Lotus is it's going to have more sacrifices than the Supra does. I personally like sure, that, sure. but it's more expensive and it's going to be a little more focused, a little more sacrificial, if you will, than the, than the Supra. But again, we're, look, all the cars I can think of off the top of my head that relate, even though some of them aren't perfect, 370Z, the Nismo is just under 50, even though it's old and that interior looks ancient in comparison. <laughs> I was looking at one today because I was specking it out to see how close I could get it to the Supra. Oh, really? You can get it at about 48 grand is the upper end of the Nismo. The interior looks ancient now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you've got three seventy Z, M two, Cayman, Vet, Evora. Those are off the top of my head. Cars that relate to this Supra. Lovely choices. Incredible. One last thought to leave you with, and that was Tadasan as he was wrapping up, and he said, "We're shooting for Porsche," and I hope that the Supra puts us on the same playing field. Maybe we're off in the corner of that field, but I hope we're now on the same level. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate your questions. Looking forward to next time. And if you're in Salt Lake on, uh, well, this Wednesday. Yeah. so Come see us live. Actually, tomorrow, come see us live at Bruvies in Salt Lake City and uh, watch for the live stream of Podcast 400. Thanks again. Looking forward to it. Cheers. Cheers.